0: A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
0: Everyone and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host Erin Royer. So we have a couple of questions this week. The first one is about separation anxiety, but it's a little bit different than what we've seen before because it's a little bit older child, and there's a couple of indicators that there might be something a little bit different going on here. So that'll be our first question. The second question is a mom asking about how to help her daughter with really big emotions. So that's also a very popular topic that we see a lot. So let's get right into these questions. The first question is from Jenny and she says, hi Erin, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast and have listened to every episode at least twice. I just keep cycling through. I have a question regarding my six year old son that I don't think has been covered for his age. My son loves to be with me so much so that he cries if I leave to have dinner with a friend or breaks down if I'm not home to tuck him into bed. I can take 20 minutes to say goodbye, and then I feel guilty as I drive away and see him in tears. He also has this behavior at times when I drop him off at camp or when he's going to school. I always reassure him that I will be back and try to let him know when, and I never sneak out on him. I'm upfront about where I'm going and what I'm doing and let him know why I'm leaving. For example, just last night, I went to help a friend at her store. It took forever to get out the door, even though I explained who I was going to help, and he knows my friend and her son very well. Why I was helping her, where I would be, it was five minutes down the street, and when I'd be home. He just couldn't let me leave without crying and breaking down. Once I left, my husband said he played normally and laughed with his younger sister, who was four. But at bedtime, he melted down and cried because I wasn't home to tuck him in or lay with him. Also, he always struggles to let me leave his bedroom at night. He asks for a hundred questions, begs me to lay with him, says, wait every time I try to leave and always asks for extra hugs and kisses. To some extent, I indulge him because I want him to feel loved and appreciated. But after a while, my patience wears thin and I tell him I just need to go. Often I'm in bed shortly after my kids because I'm up around 430 for the day. He recently tried spending the night away while camping. He was super excited to be with his grandparents, aunts, and cousin. At 10 o'clock, though, he started to cry and begged to come back home to be with me. I actually laid next to him until he calmed down, and then he asked me to stay and sleep with him. I did, which allowed him to sleep well, but I can't do that every night. In this case, we were on vacation away from home in a different space, so I was okay with that. At home, though, he wants me to sleep in his bed every night, and that's just not healthy for me or him. About twice a month, we'll do a sleepover in the playroom and he looks forward to those times. I gently remind him that these are special occasions and I love having this time with him. The next night though, we're back to begging and whining and being upset when I try to leave. Any help with this separation anxiety is appreciated. Also, she wrote, P.S. As a baby or toddler, I would drop him off at the church nursery or have a friend watch him, and he didn't blink an eye. In fact, the second we got to church nursery room, he'd run and begin playing without looking back. I used to be a little sad that he didn't need hugs or kisses goodbye, but I felt good that he was comfortable and felt safe and knew that I'd be back to get him. This anxiety and need to be with me only started about a year ago. So this is a great question, and because we have talked about separation anxiety many times before, but this scenario has some different twists that I mentioned, and that is that it seems to have started much later and is more severe than what we might expect at his age. So I'm going to give some general information about separation anxiety, how it fits the situation, and then some ideas of why this may be presenting in this way at a later age for some troubleshooting. Now, I also want to say that Jenny is doing a great job that not sneaking out, that's really important that you don't sneak out, so you're handing all of that really, really well. You know, letting him know when you'll be back, letting him know where you're going, who you're with, all of those things are great, so you're really um, doing your best to reassure him, to shore him up, to let him know that it's going to be okay and that you will be back. So all of that, you're doing extremely well, or trying to help him work through this anxiety in a healthier way. So let me talk about separation anxiety just in general. This can kick in as early as eight or nine months. This is when babies will start to develop a sense of self as a separate being from another. When this happens, they also notice the person holding them, the person in the room with them is not one of their primary caregivers. Now, as with all things kid-related, some babies and toddlers will really struggle and others will experience little to no separation anxiety at all. But most toddlers and preschoolers will experience some level of separation anxiety on and off at some point during the toddler and preschool years. Now, the most common ages are actually from about a year to 18 months up through three or four. But it's not uncommon for some kids to continue some level of separation anxiety up through the age of seven. There are four stages to separation anxiety where at first the child protests, which is what we all see, right? We see that protest, the crying, the whining, that type of thing, I love you, anything to try to get you to stay. And it can be quite dramatic with some kids to try to get the parent to stay. If it works in its intended use, it will likely increase the protest stage in future interaction. So if the crying, the whining, the, all that will get the parent to stay longer, they'll keep using that to get the parent to stay longer. Now, after the protest, there are three more stages where the last stage is the child adjusting and going on with their day or their evening as they normally would, as if nothing had happened. So the fact that he did settle back down that evening with dad within a few minutes after mom left shows a normal progression through this process. So that's good. But looking at a few indicators here that I mentioned earlier, that it was basically non-existent until an age where we would normally see it tapering off rather than picking up and that that's when it kicked in. And now, and actually that it's more intense, a more intense reaction that we would expect especially for it being a first time later on. It's not alarmingly so, but still it's more on the intense end. So I feel that this is not a run of the mill separation anxiety. The other thing that lets me know that this is not a run of the mill separation anxiety is the length of time that it has persisted. With separation anxiety, it will come and go in little waves or snippets. It doesn't come and stay consistently over this long of a period, anything more than a month or two, unless they're really, really little, and then the protest should get smaller, like a little tiny protest maybe one day, and then a bigger protest another day, it'll kind of come in waves, it'll ebb and flow. This is a separation anxiety that has come and stayed for a long time, and so these indicators tell me that this is not part of a developmental stage, but more of an underlying concern that he needs some help with working through. What we need to do here is get to that underlying cause. What's going on under there that this has kicked in and it's continued? So, there was likely something that changed or something that happened around that time that perpetuated this change in behavior. So, Jenny, I want you to think back to that time frame a year ago. Now, I know it's been a little longer than a year now because you sent the question in a few months ago. Think back around that time that when this started, did anything change for him? Did he start having nightmares or night terrors? Now, nightmares are common, ages three to four, night terrors usually happen later. Did a relative pass away? Anything that could have left him feeling either more unsafe at nighttime or unsure about your ability to return when you leave? Have you asked him about his feelings? Now, when you ask kids about things like this, you want to do your best to not lead The answers. You don't want to ask leading questions. So, while it seems likely he's feeling unsafe or afraid, those types of feelings, it's best to try to ask exploratory questions without framing it for him. You want to stay away from those words, from putting things into his mind or ideas into his head, if that makes sense. So, you want to say something like For the past year, I've noticed you've been wanting me to stay with you at bedtime. And then you can also comment about the daytimes as well. But you just basically want to describe exactly what you're seeing, just the behavior that you're seeing without putting any feelings or any other projections onto it. Could it be this? You don't want to say, could it be this? Could it be that? Or I notice you're feeling afraid or I feel I wonder if you're feeling unsafe. You want to stay away from talking about any of that. Just describe the behavior. I notice that you've wanted me to stay around more and longer at bedtime. Can you tell me more about that? Before that, you would let me tuck you in and say goodnight without asking for anything more. Can you tell me anything that's changed? Can you tell me how you're feeling when it's time for me to leave? You can ask about differences between night and daytime since it seems to be more pervasive at night. You also can explain, I think that you've already done, that you love the time with him, but that nighttimes, mom needs to get to bed too since... You get up early and he needs to learn to feel comfortable falling asleep on his own too. And so you want to work with him to get to the point where he feels comfortable and that the two of you are going to work together on that. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. So there are two things I recommend, and the first one is special time. You want to create some time where you can spend time together, just the two of you. Every week would be great, but if it's every other week, it's a really nice start, The sleepovers are even a part of that, which is great. That's a great start. But this is especially important with your son to help him get the connection he's really seeking with you in a way that doesn't impede on the needed sleep for you and for his independence in falling asleep on his own. But it has an added Benefit and that's that it creates a space for him to share his feelings with you, his struggles, his concerns. It doesn't have to be about that necessarily, and it shouldn't be the focus. But what it does is let him know that you and he have the time together and the space, it creates a safe space for him to share now. Going forward, anything that's bothering him, whether it's struggles with friends, mean kids at school, questions about any of life's challenging topics that will come up now and later. You want to create that space. You want to let him know he can talk to you about anything, that you are always there to listen and help him solve any problem he has or help him solve his own problems as he gets older. Even just 20 to 30 minutes goes a really long way. If you're able to get to the bottom of what's bothering him, that's great. Then you know what you're working with and you're going to work on it together and how you can help him learn to face and cope with any of these fears or uncertainties that he's feeling right now. If you're not able to get to the bottom of it, or even if you are and things don't improve within a month, I strongly recommend finding a therapist that specializes in working with children. I have a great therapist I can recommend to you, but he's here in Southern California, but he could do a consult with you and give you some great guidance on what to look for and how to find a really good children's therapist in your area and may have some recommendations. So if you don't know of anyone or don't know anyone who can recommend anything, definitely shoot me an email and I can get that to you. Now, when it comes to working with these bedtimes themselves, You know, I could get into setting these boundaries around the bedtime and what you want to do with that. And you certainly can do it. You should be able to do it and not feel guilty about it. I feel a lot of guilt coming through and he may be picking up on that. It's okay to set the boundaries around bedtime. Do the tuck in. Do the routine that you normally do. Let him know it's bedtime and then go. It isn't going to take away the fear or anxiety or the struggle that he's already having it's not going to remove any of that just prolonging it. So if you want to start setting that boundary, it is okay. It's not going to it's not going to make this any worse. What you really need to do is just dig in and figure out what's going on there that's causing this type of anxiety at bedtime to begin with so that you can start to really fix the actual issue that's happening underneath. If you're interested in trying out the classes free for seven days, including the class on separation anxiety, you can go to yourvillageonline.com free dash trial. The free trial gives access to all the classes. The only limitation is that you won't get any personalized parenting answers from me during the free trial period. But if you cancel before the seven days, you won't pay Anything. So if you've been thinking about trying the classes, you can choose from the three membership options with the free seven day trial at yourvillageonline.com slash free dash trial. Now I also wanna remind you that the Ask Erin feature is actually going away for new memberships as of January 1st, because I just won't have the time to keep answering a lot of questions. Anyone who joins before January 1st will have that as a part of their membership. You will keep it as long as your membership stays Active, So you get grandfathered into the Ask Erin feature to send a question to me, to ask any questions, clarifications on classes or for your special situations, any of those types of things. After January 1st, Ask Erin will be a premium feature that will be an additional charge. The next question from Chelsea is about big emotions in toddlers. And she says, hi, Erin. First off, thank you, thank you, thank you. Your podcasts are so helpful. I've been listening for over a year now and re-listening and I want to parent differently than I was parented. Not in all areas, my parents did a good job with what they knew. But while you can have a philosophy of how you want to parent, it can be difficult to know in the everyday difficulties, how to handle situations and help little people become successful adults. Absolutely, Chelsea, I agree with you 100% on that. So thank you. I'm wondering if you can help us with our oldest. She'll be four next month and has always had big emotions. Everything she experiences provokes a big emotional response. We've used a lot of coaching to help her learn how to express her emotions and she's come a long way. However, it feels like we've taken two steps backward in the last few months. Our daughter Grace is an extreme extrovert and I think the summer break from preschool has been difficult on her. We have also welcomed baby number three into our family in the last month, some factors that may contribute to more emotional explosions. She is head over heels for her baby brother. She helps so much. And a maternal side of her I've never seen has oozed out. And that's really cute. But this is also her personality in general. So my hands are so full and I'm feeling at a loss as to how to help her. She goes out of her way to provoke her two-year-old sister. And her sister is now always on edge that Grace will come and take her toys or disturb her play. Grace also completely melts down over the slightest offense, even though we have talked and talked and talked about how to solve the problem, how to respond when something goes wrong, how to express using words, how to come to me instead of screaming, chasing, pushing, pulling, grabbing. I've come to the point where I tell her if she bugs her sister again, that she will have to go to her room. I wasn't always following through because I want her to make the right choice. But lately I have been following through and the explosion that ensues is extreme. Screaming, kicking the door, throwing books and toys all over her room. She'll yell, cry at me. I want to talk about it. But we've talked and talked and talked and talking isn't making a difference. I'm afraid her big emotions... Meltdowns and provoking will affect her ability to make and keep friends. I suppose things are always different with siblings than with friends. She has started asking me throughout the day if I'm happy because she can see my exhaustion and frustration with her. She also came to me the other night telling me that daddy was being mean when he too was just exhausted by her provoking her sister, not listening, and then emotionally breaking down over her inability to follow directions and sit nicely to read books before bed. Please help. I'd like to watch learn from any classes that can be applied to our situation. Do you have a class on big emotions? Thank you in advance. Chelsea. Big emotions can feel overwhelming, obviously for the child, but for the parent as well. So the first thing to remember is that your child is still working on these skills. If she had them already, she would use them. So when she's in this place, just know that she still doesn't have these skills and she needs some help to figure out how to find some better ways. So a couple of things that you'll hopefully find helpful in making these lessons stick better. First, coaching emotions during quiet times is much more effective than trying to coach during or even right after the outbursts. And of course, you still want to do this right after because you can't let the behavior just go without going over it and working on it. But during quiet times, you want to do a couple of things. One is you want to read some books about emotions. Now, several of our classes come with a great list of books about emotions to help kids learn about a lot of different emotions and how to connect with recognize and work through those emotions. We also have a list of books about anger. So you can get either those lists through any of the classes, the tantrums class, the you're developing preschooler or toddler class, helping your angry child. We have some of those lists in those classes as well as you could just do a search on Amazon for books, children's books about emotions or children's books about anger and find some that way. Reading these books during quiet afternoon downtime or bedtimes are a great step to helping teach about emotions. It's these quiet times when these lessons take hold the most. You can read the books, ask questions, have discussions about emotions, about where you feel them in your body, how you react to those emotions, how you could react better to those emotions. Those are the times that these lessons are really going to get in and take hold Much better. You still want to coach, like I said, after an outburst as it needs to be addressed, but those usually aren't the most effective times. Now, during the time ins and the coaching after the outbursts, you want to make sure she's practicing also. You want to coach about sharing emotions. When you ask her to tell you how she's feeling and why, you want to make sure to walk her through the scenario again. The next time you get frustrated with your sister, what are you going to do? This step of Practicing these steps is very important for helping her to incorporate this so that it becomes a new habit. She will hopefully say something like, I will share how I feel. Okay, great, let's practice. If she doesn't answer, then you coach her. You need to share how you feel and we need to practice. If she can't find the words, and she may not, if she can't find the words when she's calm, there's no way she'll be able to do it when she's angry. So this practice when she's calm becomes very, very important. If she doesn't have the words, you can give them to her and then have her repeat them. You can say something like, I'm angry, you grabbed my toy, I want it back. Now it's your turn. You can say exactly what I said or say it in your own words. Okay, great. Then if she doesn't give the toy back, what are you going to do? And then you want your daughter to say something like, I will come and get you. You want to go over this every time. You can even go over it a couple of times and have her practice a couple times. The steps that she needs to use and what she will do in that order. Soon she will start to use them. It won't be every time at first, but she will start to use it and soon she'll use it more and more and that will become the new habit. Lastly, you want to talk about emotions, yours and hers, all the emotions, Something like, I'm excited we're leaving for vacation today, or I'm sad my friend had to cancel our dinner tonight, I was really looking forward to seeing her. Oh, it looks like you're happy we're going to the park today, or you seem disappointed that we can't have a play date with Jacob today. You want to do this throughout the day, at least a few times when you remember and when you notice something, hers or your own emotions, sharing them in these ways. Now, as far as classes for helping kids with big emotions, the Tantrums class, even though it may not be a tantrum per se, it has lots of tips about helping kids with big emotions during their outbursts, after they calm down, and in the quiet times with lots and lots of handouts. Your Developing Preschooler covers social emotional development and ways to support this. Helping your child with anger also covers the more angry, the negative types of emotions and helping kids work through those the temperament class with the sections on children who are highly feelings aware, children who are high in intensity, and for some kids, the adaptability feature, if they're low in adaptability, this can affect the ways they handle these big emotions. And it gives ways and tips to work with kids at home, at school, with their friends, with activities in improving these abilities. Again, to join with the free seven-day trial membership with access to all the classes, including separation anxiety, temperament, tantrums, working with your angry child, your developing preschooler and toddler, and all the other 50 classes, and access to the Ask Erin feature before we remove that at the end of the year, you want to go to yourvillageonline.com free trial. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.